Um, so welcome. Uh, I had a few a few people already come up to me like, "Hey, is this like an exclusive service for like only the people in home groups?" I was like, "No, like we're all welcome. Rob's here, and so we're here to to hear um, from the word and from Rob. So we're excited about that. But we we do have just a few kind of housekeeping." Um, logistical things to go over. Um, but first, I, I'm just excited that you guys are here. We're all, the pastors here are excited that you guys are here. You guys have taken that step uh, of commitment one step further uh, into kind of your walk, really. And that's going beyond just showing up to church, but getting involved um, in a more deep level. And you'll see the, the three words on the graphic are fellowship, friendship, and discipleship. And I think we kind of trick ourselves into thinking that fellowship happens like on Sunday morning when we're just like, we get the, hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. How are you? And you're like, wait, I already said, how are you? (laughs) And you're like, all right, I'll see you next week, I guess. And we kind of trick ourselves into thinking that that's like, that's actual, like real family time. Um, And it can be, I'm not, I'm not discrediting anything that happens on a Sunday morning. Um, That's an amazing time that sometimes that's the only time we get together as a family. Um, But the fellowship that we are going to have in these home groups is going to lead to true friendship. And that friendship is where real discipleship happens. And so in those three words, there's a lot of things that are that are happening in those three words. And discipleship is, is huge, and it's what we're called to do. We're called to, to be making disciples. And so we're excited about that. It's going to be amazing, and we're just right at the really the first day of it all. And so thank you guys for being here. We're excited that, that you're here. Um, just in case you guys missed, I, I see some familiar faces. Uh, Craig and I have been slaving over the list of everyone that signed up, so I like, I now know, I know your guys' names better than I ever have, and I'm sure Craig's the same way. He's like, yep, I know that person. Know that. So uh, we're excited, but just in case um, you guys missed that intro video that we played um, a couple weeks back, introducing you guys to some of the leaders and the hosts, we're going to play that one real, uh, real quick. Um, there are a few different cha- a few changes that have happened already since we filmed the video, and I'll go over that. But I just want you guys, I want the faces to be fresh in your guys' mind as we're thinking about the organization of the home group. So go ahead and play that video. Hi, we're Alan and Chandra Herrera, and we're excited to host the Moore Park area with Pastor Jerry Jimenez. Uh, we're kid-friendly, so bring the whole family. Hi, we're Mike and Cynthia Snow. We live in San Rosa Valley where we're hosting a home group. We meet on Friday nights at 6.30. We have been meeting for uh, two or three years now already and we would love to have you join our group. Hello, I'm Stephen Allen. This is my wife, Linda. And these are the hubs. This is Gail and Don Hubs. We're hosting uh, a home group right here in Dos Vientos on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Come join us. Uh, You'll find out that this is the only time you'll see the four of us when I'm the only one talking. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jerry Ems. This is my wife, Pat. We live in Westlake Village. We'll be hosting, and uh, John Marcinka will be uh, teaching at our house, and and, uh, look forward to seeing you. On Wednesday nights? Wednesday nights, yes. Hi, folks. My name is Ted, Teddy Bear Smith, and this is my wife, Joanne. And we live in Lynn Ranch, and we're going to do a home group on Wednesday nights at 6.30, and you all are welcome. Look forward to seeing you. Hello, Rusty and Rebecca Harrington, Tim and Beth Bernstein. 
Uh, we're going to be hosting a life group at our house on Thursday from 7 to 8.30. We're in the Thousand Oaks Wildwood neighborhood, uh, gearing towards families with uh, school-age kids and older, and hope to see you there. I'm at a potion. This is my wife, Claudia, and we are being the host, and I will be the leader of the Simi Valley Home Group. We will be meeting at 6.30 uh, on Wednesday night, and we anticipate having a wonderful time of fellowship and uh, Bible teaching, and we are uh, hoping that all those in Simi Valley area will come and join us. Hello, I'm Philippe Paz. I'm Hobie Pierce. This is Coop. Say hi. And uh, we are going to be hosting a home group for the Camarillo area. It'll be on Wednesday nights uh, starting at 7 o'clock. It's going to be at my house in Camarillo. And you're all welcome to come. Hi, I'm Ann, and this is Reed, my husband, and we are the hosts, and Jeff is our wonderful leader, and we're going to be meeting on Wednesdays at 6.30, and we're really excited and looking forward to everybody coming. Hey, church family. Um, I'm Bob Schuett. This is Mark Schwartz uh, with our wives, Tammy and Ira. We're going to be hosting uh, God Speak at Home. It'll be at our home on Fridays at 6 o'clock. Hope you can join us. Sweet. Let's give them a hand again. They all hated being in front of the camera. It was hilarious. It was fun to torture you guys. Um, but you, you might have noticed that I kind of updated, we updated the board out there, the God Speak at Home board. It used to just have the cities. Now you can look there and you'll see the, um, the families that are hosting. You'll see the leaders. You'll see the times and you'll see the days of the week that they're meeting. And so if you're, you're ever confused about when, what's happening, go check that out. Um, also, you might, um, you're like, oh, I'm hosting or I'm leading, but I didn't see myself on that video because you didn't take a video, obviously. Um, but so there, there are people that weren't on that video uh, that will be leaders. And I think there's some of them here, the Taylors back there. You guys want to stand up real fast? Yeah. So the Taylors are leading a group. Uh, Molly and I are kind of the backups to that group. We're going to kind of help them lead that too. And their their demographic is young married couples with young kids. So that's really uh, the the Marcinkas are also um, are the Marcinkas here. Oh, there's John. You didn't see the Marcinkas on there, but they're doing the, they're leading their own group in Westlake, close to Agora. And then yeah, and then. Um, you saw the Adams up there. They said that, Mar that John was teaching in his, but he's not. Kim Payne is actually teaching in the Adams group. And then Naves, I saw the Naves, or at least Scott's back there. They're leading a home group, but their home group's full already, so don't even think about that. <laughs> and then the Sendejas, I don't know if I saw them anywhere. Yep, they're right there. They have a home group too. Thank you, guys. There's is almost full. You guys got a room for a couple more, so... We're working on putting everyone in your different, sorry, I'm getting more congested the more I talk. Um, uh, but we're, 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 we've worked hard to kind of match you guys into the right home group um, based on what's closest to you demo, uh, demographically and geographically. And so there are some specific demographics, some um, young marrieds with kids, some uh, marrieds with school-age kids. So we've tried to kind of curtail everyone and put you guys in the right, um, the right categories in the, in the right home groups. And we've done that already on the back end. And you guys should have all gotten it. If you signed up to already be in a home group, you should have gotten an email yesterday 
if your handwriting wasn't atrocious and we didn't (laughs) type in your email wrong. Um, So if you didn't, that's okay. Just uh, email Craig or myself. Or um, as you'll see, we kind of updated. Yeah, we're going to pull up the website here. We've made it really easy for you guys now. If you haven't signed up yet to be a part of a home group, to go through. And as you scroll down, you'll see Camarillo. You'll see Moore Park, Simi Valley. And the ones that have multiple, like Newberry Park, you get the option of which one in Newberry Park. So um, if you got the email yesterday and you're like, oh, I really wanted this group, just go ahead and fill this out again online. It's really easy. It's just click the one you actually want, let us know, and then we'll go through and we'll try to get you in the one that you actually want to be in. And that's no offense to anyone that you are. It's like, don't worry about it. If it changes, it's okay. We got four weeks to work on this. Um, So we're just trying to, we try to do all the work in the the back end so that really at this point, I think the majority of people are okay with just being to the closest to their house. Um, But if there's something that you guys want specifically, just let us know and we're open open to uh, changing that up a little bit. Um, If you didn't notice leaders, there's a little leadership, um, a leaders resource table back there. And we also have the books, the Philippians books for sale. I think they're $8. Um, But we got, like I said, we got four weeks to solidify um, what group you're actually meeting in. We think we got pretty close, but just let us know if you want us to change anything. And then I would encourage you guys, if you're here and you haven't signed up for a home group yet, please uh, do so. Uh, I, it's okay if you might be uh, leaving or if you can't commit wholly. Uh, we just want to get you plugged in. We want, we're excited about this opportunity to get you guys plugged in. So uh, Craig and I are going to be here up, up front after service if you guys have any questions about anything and we'll aim to answer those questions. Or you can always email us. Uh, our email addresses are really easy. Um, it's just Micah or Craig at godspeak.com. Um, and we'll be happy to answer any of those questions. But I'm not going to talk anymore. Um, Rob's here to, to, to introduce to us the uh, topic and the book that we're going to be going through. Um, and we're excited about that. So let's welcome Rob up and let's get into it. Thanks, Micah. I'm not going to introduce you to the book uh, because I haven't read it yet. (laughs) Just being candid. Yeah. Uh, But that's not true. I've read portions of it, and I I do like, and I love Randy Alcorn as an author. Um, I wanted to, and I had actually picked the topic before we'd picked the book. Uh, I think this is a, a, a critical characteristic that's missing in the body of Christ and a complete misunderstanding of what it means. <clears throat> and I think as a result, it's, it's adversely affected the body of Christ, which in turn has created in our nation, in our world, um, a problem. And I think it's time we revisit really the, the true meaning of this word. Um, and I, I think the scriptures are very clear as to what this, this means. So I want to take a look at, at the concept of happiness. Um, I'll use scripture tonight, but I'm also going to uh, delve into Aristotle. Uh, I'll take a look at some other thinkers. Um, I'll look at our founders. Um, we'll do that at the beginning. But before I begin the study, I want to tell you that when I had agreed uh, with Craig uh, about um, doing four weeks on a Wednesday night, midweek is hard. That's one of the reasons why... Um, we kind of put them on hiatus for a season because uh, during the week I'm, I'm going all over the place and we're coming up to a primary election March 3rd 
And it's not just in California. There's a couple of states that are critical. So um, I found out <clears throat> this week that I'm to speak to a thousand North Carolinian pastors or Carol- Carolina, Carol- Carolinian <clears throat> pastors. Um, and I'm going to be doing it on two separate days. So I will miss next Wednesday. However, uh, the person who's, is it next Wednesday I'm missing? Yes. Uh, but the person who's filling in for me is uh, Pastor Rick Brown, remarkable teacher. Not only is he going to be doing the Wednesday night, and he'll be going through Philippians, which is the book on happiness, and he'll give you an overview of that, but he's also going to be preaching on Sunday the 26th, I believe. So um, I, I had no intention of missing the 26th, but I have to be in Texas to uh, move um, citizens to register to vote, and I'm speaking there on the 26th. So the, this Sunday I'll be here. Um, the following Wednesday I won't. Uh, no, have I got that wrong? I'm already confused. But anyways, this Sunday I'll be here. The following Sunday I'll, I, uh, I will be here, but I'm not going to be preaching. We do have confirmed both 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service, Charlie Kirk. And in addition, we have, yeah, Tell folks, because um, we're not going to advertise it, but uh, if, you, if you tell three people, there'll be 3,000 here. Um, he, he's, you know, regarded well in, uh, in the world today. Uh, also, Bill Federer will be here. I don't know if Bill's going to speak. I think I'm going to let him kind of listen to Charlie, and we're going to put Charlie and Bill together. Uh, I think Bill Federer is one of the most underutilized uh, assets in America today, and Charlie sees that, and we're going to incorporate him into Turning Point USA and watch amazing thing, things happen. I love Bill Federer. There's no guile in that man. We'll, we'll figure it out, uh, but that's going to be not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Have I fully confused you? Good. I'll, I'll be here Sunday. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> What's that? Amen. Good word. Okay. Um, so I think the best way to begin this is with prayer, because uh, my head is spinning with uh, just a whole host of ideas and thoughts as I've been uh, listening to a number of videos. One of my favorite is uh, uh, the, the, uh, the dean of Hillsdale College, Larry Arne. Um, I love his studies. I've been copiously uh, engaging in that. I've been reading Aristotle today, which gives you stretch marks on your brain. And um, I'm, I'm trying to put it all together and bring it forward so that it's applicable and we can all grasp it. And so that you see it scripturally. Because the one thing we want to lift is when the word is the center of what we do, Christ is the center of what we do. So pray with me. Uh, join me. Lord, we ask that you would assemble this for your glory. Enlighten us. Lord, you know my desire to teach expositionally uh, the whole counsel of your word. But Lord, there are seasons where you call us to focus on an area that maybe we have neglected. And so God, in the course of this time, as we're preparing for these home groups, where we're going to build community and we're going to establish relationships, Lord, help us to understand this key virtue, which is probably preeminent of all of them, the one in which um, you've called us to, and that we would know its truest meaning And so, God, please, I I pray that you would put this together tonight, minister to every heart. Lord, it's midweek, folks are tired, but by your spirit, would you awaken us and cause us to come alive? And Lord, that we would just be hungering for this, and it would be so evident that we want to receive it and apply it. And so, Lord, please, I just pray your refreshment upon the fellowship and your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, so I'm going to begin, and uh, obviously the topic we're covering is happiness. And everyone has uh, an idea of what happiness is, and many people have a misunderstanding. I would say the majority of Americans today have a misunderstanding what happiness is. Uh, It was very important to our founders in our birth certificate, which uh, is now 244 years old, which has allowed us to be the longest Uh, existing government under one single article of incorporation, which is our birth certificate, the Declaration of Independence, 244 years. They saw fit in the first two paragraphs of this birth certificate to add this word happiness. And I wanted to read it to you because to understand the word happiness and especially from the perspective of our founders, why they would consider it so vital to insert in the birth of a nation that has never been equaled in the history of the world, why this word had to be inserted in the course of that birth certificate. So it begins by saying, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, they're breaking away from England, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And I've said this before, and so as many others, this is a Jeffersonian way of saying any idiot can understand this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among those being life, liberty, and the pursuit of, say it, that to secure these rights, and this is the reason why there's government, the only reason why there's government, to secure these rights, not to suppress them, but to secure them, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, attacking these inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of, then if that becomes, that government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter and to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and. Wow. Happiness meant a lot to them, that they would take on the greatest superpower on the face of the earth. And that superpower just defeated the second greatest superpower on the face of the earth. The sun never set on the British Empire. This was a ragtag, weak conglomeration of 13 individual colonies that assembled themselves and declared that the purpose of this separation was inalienable rights, the highest being the pursuit of happiness. Now, the order in which they established it was life, liberty, then the pursuit of happiness. You can't have liberty and happiness without life. And so they put it in that order. So you have life and then liberty. Liberty is this idea of doing what's right, standing for what is right. The Apostle Paul said, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty for which Christ has set you free. We think liberty is freedom. It's not. Paul was in prison when he wrote that. In a prison when he wrote that in, in Galatians. And then it says the pursuit of happiness. Why is happiness so critical and why would, it, why would it cause these founders who had all been raised in the Enlightenment and also in what was called the First and Second Great Awakening in America, why would, why would they consider this word happiness to be so critical? And why is it that we've forgotten this? 
The word happiness in Hebrew is esher or esher. It's found in the psalm that we read, I think, this Sunday or the Sunday before, Psalm 1, blessed. The word blessed is a share, which means, oh, how happy. In addition, you find it in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, blessed are you. And the idea is, oh, how happy are you. A share means happiness. This idea of an abundance of God's blessing. Blessed, oh, how happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and upon that law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, and, whatever, uh, and whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. There'll be wealth associated with it. We covered that on Sunday. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. You've seen chaff, you throw it up in the air, as you crush the wheat, you throw it up in the air, the chaff blows and the wheat falls. One has substance and meaning and the other is worthless. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You'll have no substance, you'll have no meaning, you'll have no purpose. In one, if you pursue this, you'll have abundance. We saw that with the rich young ruler. He kept the commandments of the Lord, the first or the second five commandments. He kept them. He was, he was rich and well-known. He was a rich young ruler. He had authority and wealth. He had honor and wealth. But he lacked one thing. We covered this on Sunday. He lacked one thing. Jesus said, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And there was Peter who said, who then can be saved? Because they associated wealth with righteousness. And that's based on the psalm. Oh, how happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffer. And so, what is this happiness? Oh, how happy is the man? Why is this so critical, not only to us and to the scriptures and to the Jews that had established the very first representative form of government in the wilderness when when um, Moses' father-in-law said, appoint godly men who are not covetous and appoint them over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, where you get federal, state, county, local government? How is it that these, these Israelites understood the necessity of happiness, meaning virtue, and this, this necessity of being blessed, that this happiness comes when you walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the, in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but you delight yourself in the law of the Lord and meditate on that day and night. Whatever you do will prosper. So they knew the application of that in their culture would survive, and this is the longest running culture that has survived. They've gone from, from slavery into freedom. It's been the cry of the human heart. And that that. Israelite freedom that was established with the, the, the establishment of the law and then the observance of that and the abundance that comes with it. This relationship with God, if and then. If you do this, then I will do that. If you don't do this, then I will do that. You can watch the history of Israel rising and falling depending on their, their honoring of God and his law, his commandments. And this idea of Esher, happiness. Esher, happiness. Well, when Aristotle, who predated Christ's walk on the earth, but not as God himself, but his incarnation on the earth, when Aristotle considered these concepts as he was instructing, and every human heart has this cry for freedom, and, and if we pursue these things, even 
as the scripture says that we studied in, in, um, in first, uh, excuse me, in Galatians chapter three, that the law is a school teacher to point us to Christ, and it keeps us protected until faith comes. So, so studying, even as Aristotle would, without access to the New Testament, which hadn't been written yet, and interestingly enough, the New Testament would be written in Koine Greek, which was the language of the greatest philosophical thinkers of all time. And, and Aristotle had already approached all of these issues, and so everyone in the world was learned. As, as Aristotle was contemplating these things, there was an inspiration upon him to pursue truth. And as he thought about how do we then live together, how do we dwell? The unexamined life isn't worth living, and Aristotle would con- consider these things, and he would contemplate them, and he wrote a book on ethics, and if you've never read it, you should. Let me repeat that. He wrote a book on ethics. If you've never read it, you should. I'll repeat it again. He wrote a book on ethics, and if you've never read it, you should. And you're like, oh, it's Aristotle, it's boring. So are you. Read the book, and then you won't be. Amen? <laughs> I'm sorry I insulted you. But he wrote this. And if you want to understand a successful and happy life, this book is phenomenal. Oh, it's not the Bible. It's not the word of God, but with every great work of art, there is, there's a touch of the master's hand. I see it in you. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been created in the image of God. You're a poema, his workmanship. You're not fully what God intended you to be, and neither am I. But there's a touch of the creator's hand. And there is in all these works that have sustained and, and survived the test of time. Aristotle said, there's good in life, good that must be pursued. He said, this idea that we are to pursue the highest good. And he looked at three things that were considered good to mankind. Things that we thought would bring happiness. And we've all tried them. One is wealth. Some of us haven't quite gotten to that point yet to be able to enjoy that. But yeah, as we studied this Sunday, you're all very wealthy in relation to the rest of the world. And in relation to the rich young ruler that we studied about, you're all stinking rich. He didn't have a cell phone, flushing toilet. We got that, right? Ice in a desert climate. Okay, good. Work with me. So wealth, the other that that mankind pursues is not only wealth, which is abundance, and we'll cover that momentarily. I can put that up here. Wealth is the abundance of valuable material possessions or resources. We all would love to have that, more than we need. And we think that'll bring happiness, and we know it doesn't. Well, some of you don't know that yet. Good luck with that. And wealth brings headache. You don't know who really, we've covered this, you don't know who really loves you or who really cares about you. They're just probably wanting to get to your money. You never know who you can trust. And if you pursue it, it wipes you out. I mean, we've looked at 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. That's pretty good. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Good. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. But when we pursue riches, it ends up in a bad circumstance for us if that becomes because... The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So wealth isn't the answer. And then the other one that Aristotle looked at was pleasure. Pleasure is a desire or inclination, frivolous amusement, state of gratification, a source of delight. 
If that was the highest good, which is pleasure, if that was the highest good, we would only live the life of a fatted calf. Anyone who has lived their whole life in pursuit of pleasure is dying of liver failure. Just look at rock stars. They don't age well, right? And you want to talk about pleasure. They've, they've really pursued that. Solomon pursued it too, and we'll cover that momentarily. But pleasure in and of itself is not good. But it is a good that is to be sought. I mean, let, let's, do we like wealth, yes or no? Yeah, of course we do. I mean, the, the, the greater the risk, the greater the reward in, in, a, in a just world. And we like to have a reserve in the bank. And we like to drive nice things. Yes? We like to live in nice houses. We would like to be mortgage-free. Yes? That's rich. You'd like to own your own property. You'd like to be able to pay for your children's college education. Yes? Wealth's not bad. Pleasure. A good glass of wine. We're California. I mean, come on. Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon. A nice great scotch now there. Get yourself a Glen Marengi. Right? You, go, oh, you like the peat, do you? You got yourself a Lafroix. <laughs> tastes like floor cleaner. That's what it tastes like, you know. Maybe you like that. Maybe you like good food. That's why I'm going to have to switch from Scottish because all they have is haggis. <laughs> Stuffed sheep intestine. That's nasty. And maybe, you're, you know, French food. Maybe, you know, just food is delightful. The feel of silk, you know, Egyptian cotton bed sheets, an air conditioner in the summertime. You like pleasure? Yes? The other one that mankind pursues, and, and we label these in a hierarchy, the other one that mankind pursues is honor. We love to be honored. To show respect for a good name, reputation to confer distinction on. And what's interesting about honor, I was watching uh, Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, and I couldn't show the clip because I didn't have time to edit it because he drops a lot of four-letter words in it, but it's phenomenal. And a lot of you are going, how can he advocate that? Because it's speaking truth from the mouth of a person who doesn't know the Lord but understands the, the insanity of the industry in which he resides. And he's saying, as a, co- uh, as a comedian, to receive an award is detrimental to me. We spend our lives attacking you for being so self-grandizing and self-important that you would put on a show to award yourself because you have the ability to act like someone else and people are enamored and you think somehow you're special. And they put on these award shows. And it's all for Hollywood, about Hollywood, and they sit there and they're just smiling. And why do they want this honor? Why, do mankind, why does mankind seek honor? Why is this a good that we're pursuing? Because we want to feel as though we're virtuous. And if someone in our industry can tell us that we're virtuous, it makes us feel virtuous. We want to elevate ourselves and make ourselves feel good. So in the pursuit of virtue, is that the ultimate attainment? No. Because to pursue virtue in and of itself is dangerous. I have met veterans. One in particular was Harold Mancellian. I saw a silver star rotting on his desk. 
that he had obtained. No, no, it wasn't Harold Manson, excuse me. It was uh, Harry Arabian. And, and I've, I've seen others that have, have had, un, well, when they, when they brought the flag up at Mount Suribachi on Iwo Jima, there was a corpsman that was part of that detachment that had traveled to sell war bonds. He was one of the last living survivors of the original men that had put the flag on Mount Suribachi with the photograph that became iconic and sold more war bonds than anything else in the history of World War II. And he traveled the country and then disappeared into isolation to the point where his son never realized who he was. And when he died, he'd been a mortician his whole life. When he died, the son opened up his footlocker and found all these massive awards. You see, a hero never seeks the honor. They avoid it. He would get a call every anniversary or every Veterans Day, people wanting to follow up on this iconic photograph, the last living survivor. They wanted to do interviews, and he would tell the kids to hang up the phone. He said the only heroes that day were the ones that were left on the beaches, dead. See, if you pursue people, you, you pursue wanting people to tell you how good you are, you're in trouble. Heroes never refer to themselves as such. The nature of a hero is to exhibit bravery in moments no one sees or hears with no expectation of acknowledgement, but always with hope at the forefront of each action. And yet, each unseen and unheard heroic action pushes us all forward for the best. They do what is heroic, but they don't seek the honor. The honor is given them and they still don't receive it. And then we esteem them. They never sought it. The ones that become bothersome are the ones that get an award for something they never did, but they really want to elevate themselves so that they can run for office. And I don't know if you know this, but I did receive a silver star. I, it was straight. I'm kidding. I made it up. <laughs> I never even served. But that's what politicians do, yes? Hello? Aggrandize their achievements, and yet they never did. And it was Aristotle in the book of Ethics who said, Every art and every inquiry and likewise every action and choice seems to aim at some good. And hence it has been beautifully said that the good is that at which all things aim. We are looking for the highest good. Pleasure is good. Honor is good. Wealth is good, but it's not the highest good. We aim for those, but if that is the point for what we're aiming, we'll end up disappointed. So they're not the highest good. To receive honor is good, but to pursue it in order to receive it is not. To receive wealth by hard work and great risk is good, but to pursue it as a life goal is not. To pursue pleasure is good. I, I mean, it's nice, right? But to make that your life's desire is not good. So what is the highest good? You would look at this and you'd say, which one is good? They're both cups. Which one is achieving its highest goal for which they were created? What's that? The one retaining the water. You have been created in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together in your mother's womb. He created you with good works that he had prepared beforehand that you might walk in those. You have been created for a purpose. You're a human being. You have human beingness. You're not the only human being, but you've been created in the, in the image of God and you have a purpose on this earth. And you're to bring glory to God. 
But unlike the cup, unlike an animal that has an instinct, I mean, you can look at an oak tree and go, that is, uh, we honor that oak tree, it is mighty and majestic. But in all fairness, that oak tree had nothing to do with its existence there with the exception that others provided it soil, water, and sunlight. And we decided as human beings not to cut it down. We acknowledge its majesty and how big it is and we give glory to God. But if we worship the tree, the tree's saying, you know, thanks for not cutting me down. And, and great is a nation whose citizens plant trees of whose shade they'll never know. To have an oak tree like that doesn't reflect on the tree itself, but the citizens who protected it. I mean, really, would we be thousand oaks if there were no oak trees? All right. Somebody protected them, and they've been there for hundreds of years. But the honor goes to the civilization because if we were starving and if we couldn't provide fuel for our community and we went through some sort of a chaotic governmental transformation, I'll tell you what, there wouldn't be an oak tree anywhere around here. We'd be burning them for fuel. But we have a culture that can protect them because we have the ability to provide open space and we can get food from a supermarket instead of having to, and and we can get uh, gas transferred and electricity transferred so that our fuel is provided and we, we don't have to cook over an open fire and go find fuel somewhere to cook our food and hunt it. And so, which one is good? Well, the cup that does what it was supposed to do. Why do we say it's good? Because it's achieving the principle for which it was created. Let me pause there for emphasis. Why is it good? It's good because it was created for the principle for, it's achieving the principle for which it was created. The other one on the right's not good. It's leaking. It's worthless. Throw it away. Aristotle said, happiness is the meaning and the purpose of life. The whole aim and end of human existence. That's why the founders put it in the birth certificate and declared war based on that word. Happiness. Happiness is the declaration of our founders to to say to England, you will not suppress me or my family in our ability to pursue God and to live in accordance with what he desires. And you are not the head of the church. Christ is. And you will give us freedom to seek him and to worship him. And to have freedom to raise our family and to impart to them the way that they should go, that when they're old, they won't depart thereof. That's why they gave us of the very first amendments. The first amendment is the freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to peaceably assemble for a right of redress of grievances against the government. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights, among those being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There it is. But here's the kicker about happiness. Happiness does not consist in pastimes and amusements, but in virtuous activities. So pleasure isn't bad, but the pursuit of pleasure solely and elevating that above happiness is. Honor is not bad, but to seek honor for honor's sake is bad. Wealth isn't bad, but to seek wealth for wealth's sake is bad. That's why it's so important to understand Psalm 1. Oh, how happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the godly, nor stand in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Upon that law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of living water, whose leaf does not fade, and whatever he does will prosper. Wealth will come if you honor God. And what is honoring God? Pursuing happiness. And what is happiness? Happiness is this idea 
of pursuing virtue. Happiness is a quality of the soul, not a function of one's material circumstances. You will never obtain happiness by money. It won't bring happiness. Um, This idea of character, and it's important because when you establish character, and we'll get, we'll get to this in uh, second, Tim, or second Peter chapter 1, character in the, in the Greek is this idea of etching, engraving. Um, <clears throat> when, when, you, when you do this, this, this engraving into the psyche of a human being, and you etch this choice, you see, of all of God's creation, you and I have something that nothing in creation, nothing else in creation has. You have the ability to choose. That's why we have the ability to love. Love is a choice. I don't go home every night to Michelle because I wear a wedding ring. I go home because I want to. Yes? You're not here because someone put a gun to your head. Maybe some of the younger kids. But none of you are here because God put a gun to your head. You're here because you chose to come. And that choice is a development of your character. And you, you, you pursue these things because they're good. And you're pursuing character to develop this higher good. It says in Timothy that we've studied before, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. If your life is living for the abundance of your possessions, you are miserable. And America has really fallen into that. We've lost sight of what happiness is. We think happiness is the attainment of possessions. We think happiness is the abundance of pleasure. We think happiness is being honored by our fellow man. And we are wrong. It's vain and empty Proverbs says, he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. You go after pleasure, you're going to lose money. You go after money, you're going to lose honor. All of these things will play into the other. And if that is the sole purpose of your life, you will never obtain the highest good. And again, it comes back to blessed. Oh, how happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And upon that law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by river, uh, streams of living water. The point is, whatever you do shall prosper. And then remember this, this is the opposite. The ungodly are not so. They're like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. For the unrighteous to not stand in the judgment means that they're not going to be found, they're not going to be weighed in the balance and found righteous. They're going to be found wanting. They're gone. God blows them away. You have been created in the image of God to walk in accordance with his will and his purposes. You abandon that for the sake of pleasure, honor, and wealth. And you seek the gifts more than the giver. You have no substance. You become like that which you worship. You worship money, you become lifeless and cold. And yet the Lord calls us, and our founders understood this, and Aristotle, and the cry of the human heart is to pursue the highest good. What is that? Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, for parents in the room, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. 
Why do we discipline our children? Now, some of you spank, some of you flick, some of you do timeout chairs, some of you don't do anything. <laughs> you give to a child when it cries, or a pig when it oinks, you'll end up with a fine pig and a rotten child. We discipline, yes? If Johnny goes to put his fork in the light socket, you're going to, you know, Johnny, you really shouldn't do that, sweetie. What kind of a parent are you? You Get over there and slap his hand. Don't you even think about it. You hit my hand. I know I did, because I love you. I chasten those I love. Had you put that in, you would be glowing right now, and I'd be resuscitating you. This may hurt, but you'll never do that again. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. He disciplines us. Have you noticed that when your pursuit of wealth becomes overwhelming, how you end up with very little of it? And if you get it, you never rest well because you're always watching your portfolio on the ceiling wondering who's going to rob you? Making visits to your psychiatrist for another antidepressant? Or if you have abandoned the pursuit of the Lord and pursued pleasure. That's the Lord telling you to stop. He's calling you. (laughs) But if you've made your pursuit of of pleasure your life, you you, you end up, I mean, remember we covered this idea of pain. Pain is, is a gift from God to show us that we're out of alignment with what he's desiring. Our body's out of alignment. We're in a fallen world. We feel pain. And, and oftentimes, and that's not always true, but it, for the most part, that's why God provides it. And, and if we pursue pleasure for the sake of pleasure, and that's our highest goal, we end up with diseases. We end up with failed livers, kidneys, congestive heart issues, lung issues when we smoke too much, Right? God wants us to enjoy pleasure. He wants us to enjoy the abundance of wealth that comes by obedience to his commandments. He wants us to be able to be honored, but don't seek that for that sake. The highest good to seek is happiness. And the Lord chastens you when you're out of line. There comes consequences if you make those the pursuit of your life as opposed to happiness. And we'll cover happiness in a moment. But if you think about it, we do discipline our children because we love them, don't we? We have a timeout chair. I, you know, we'd send the kids to it. Molly was the worst. You know, she's so sweet now, and she works with the children, and she's just a great mom, and she's so patient. But man, I'd send her to her chair, and she'd sit there defiant. And she'd look at you like, you know, you'd spank her, and she'd look at you like, is that all you got? And I contrast that with Daniel. Michelle and I would come into Daniel's room, and he'd be sitting in the timeout chair. We're like, did you, did you send him to his chair? She's like, no, I didn't either. Son, why are you there? You know, Dad, I just really felt bad the way I talked to Mom, and I just really felt like I... <laughs> what kind of a child are you? But in either case, they understand right and wrong that they're out of alignment. And they want to be right with God. And that's where the proverb states this. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain more than fine gold. Wisdom. You know what wisdom is as opposed to knowledge? Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Two plus two is four. Wisdom is applying that knowledge for 
the good of the Lord. I know right, and I apply it. I know the truth, and I apply it. I seek that to bring glory to God. Our highest goal is to bring glory to God. How do we do that? By pursuing his truth and applying it. And when we apply wisdom, what happens? We're happy. Oh, how happy. Happy is the man. Eshed is the man who finds wisdom. What is wisdom? Applying this truth to God's glory. Do you have that yet? Do you get it? Because I can emphasize until you're bored. And the man who gains understanding... Understanding is, you know, Lord, I don't get this. And the Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, all he need to do is ask of God. God will give freely to him who has. You press in. But Lord, to pursue that, that means if I have to understand the medical nature, I've got to study biology, and I've got to front load, and I've got to sit down, and I've got to get away from the television, I've got to put the beer down, and, and I've got to go to bed earlier, and I've got, got, got to wake up earlier. And, and that's a lot of work, and it's going to be discipline. I'd rather just watch television and binge watch Netflix. That's not wisdom. That's pleasure. You apply restraints in order to pursue excellence. It comes at a cost. It's hard. It comes at a cost to raise our children. It'd be easier just to sit on your Barco lounger and let the kids do whatever they want, but you'll end up with a rotten child. You have to pour into them. You have to apply discipline. You chasten Son, daughter, if you want to pursue this and you want to come to a place where you have obtained an excellence to be able to provide to a community where you're going to be honored, where you're going to find wealth, where you're going to see pleasure, don't seek it for that sake. Apply yourself to learning and discipline and wisdom. The rest will come. There's a reason why we pay somebody who flips a burger minimum wage or less and we pay a doctor a lot of money. Because they front-loaded their life and they have a greater resource to give to a community. Right? Does everyone understand this? So if you train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You're sitting there looking at your three-year-old sitting on the timeout chair going, this is exhausting. And then one day you turn around and your kids are graduating. Pride. You know, at graduation, the greatest thing that you can possess at graduation when you have this freedom to choose, those choices will matter very much and they will make you who you are. Because as you teach a child early on, choose the good. Choose the highest, which is happiness. Happiness is wisdom. Wisdom is seeking God. You etch in character. That character develops itself. And in developing itself, these choices matter and they make you who you are. Choice is the center of character. Now you can make choices contrary and you'll end up with a mess. I like what Aristotle says. He says... Character will dominate your career. Well, no, no, no. This this was Larry Arn. He says character will dominate. Character will dominate your career. If character dominates your career, you will get promoted in any situation in a just society. 
If being rich dominates you, people tire of you. You're only working at our firm for a season. You're not going to be somebody who has character. You're not going to tell the truth. You're going you're gonna to stab the next guy. You're going you're gonna to get to the top through you know, the pile of dead bodies. And after a while, people don't want to be around you. And you, you may end up the CEO by, in an unjust culture and, and being misogynistic and, and, or whatever it is. You may get to that place. But nobody likes you. You're all alone. And, and everyone looks and says, oh, yeah, I work for him. Yeah, I learned what not to do by working for them. But if you, if you come out of school and character is the key and it dominates you, you will rise like cream. You'll rise. And you'll rise in the right way. But we don't etch character in. And the pursuit of character is the highest form of happiness Happiness is ultimately an activity of the soul that is excellent in all of the ways that a human being acts and all of the ways a human being thinks. If you can do these things, you will have a wide measure of happiness. But the reverse is true as well. If you don't do these things, you won't have it. So if you train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old, they will not depart from there and you've taught them this, that's great. But... If a child learns to pursue pleasure as opposed to wisdom, to the ultimate good of character, being etched to create happiness and walking in the the precepts of the Lord, oh, how happy is the man who does not walk in the counseling of God nor sit in the way of sinners and stand, right? If we eshed our children, teach them how to be happy by honoring God, they'll do well. But if we give them whatever they want whenever they want it and teach them that it doesn't come at a cost and we don't show them the value of hard work and a dollar, they're going to pursue wealth. If we show them that they can have candy anytime they want, they're going to pursue pleasure. If we give them a trophy when they, get, they do nothing but participate, they think they're honored for lethargy. No, you don't get a trophy. You were last. (laughs) Tracking me? If we impart that to them, great eagerness in the pursuit of wealth, pleasure, honor cannot exist without sin. They're going to learn to find where the next beer party is. Bong hit. They're going to be waiting for you to die to take your wealth. We're going to have a culture that has They've they've pursued those things, and as a result, it's not the highest good. There's a hierarchy of good. Pleasure's good, honor's good, wealth is good, but not the pursuit of those for the sake of those. Happiness is the ultimate goal. How is happiness achieved? Oh, how happy is the man who does not... Psalm 1. I'm driving it home. We're almost finished. You guys look tired. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. Therefore, do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Glory is substance. Man, that's heavy. That's the idea. You have substance. And that comes through hard work. Discipline. Restraining. Pursuing. We live in a fallen world where there's challenges to virtue. 
You have to restrain evil in order to pursue excellence and virtue. You have to listen to the din of a world that runs for pleasure, runs for wealth, and runs for honor. And you have to keep your eyes on the Lord, the author and finisher of your faith. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All the rest of this will be added unto you. But to pursue that in, in expense to pursuing him is problematic. And you know what? It's hard. It's hard to get up in the morning and read your Bible. But do it. And teach your kids to do it. It's hard to get up on a Sunday and go to church, but do it. And teach your kids to do it. It's hard to do your homework, but do it. And teach your kids to do it. Why? Because it honors God. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Dad, Mom, it's hard. Yeah, it is. Stick with it. When all the other kids get to hang out, good. You don't. But give them a reason. He is happy who lives in accordance with complete virtue and is sufficiently equipped with external goods, not for some chance period, but throughout a complete life. Complete virtue causes you to be sufficiently equipped. You do it because it's the right thing to do, but it's hard. Yeah, it is. Do it. This requires us to make choices, some of which may be very difficult. And often the lesser good promises immediate pleasure and is more tempting, while the greater good is painful and requires some sort of sacrifice. But I have the money now and I can buy it. Yeah, but if you put it in the bank and let it gain interest, you'll have a retirement later. But I don't want to wait. I want it now. I don't want to do my homework. We are not going to be a doctor. Yeah, but I can talk about being a doctor or watch one on television. I want to stand on the blocks at the Olympics with a gold medal around my neck just like him. Good. Then tomorrow morning you're going to get up at 4 a.m. and start swimming. Well, I don't want that. I just want the gold medal. It doesn't work that way. You pursue restraint and you apply restraint in order to pursue excellence. And when you do that, you work hard. Don't feel bad when you tell your child, go do your homework. And guess what? Go do yours too. What, what homework do I have? If you didn't recite 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, can you memorize the seven words between now and Sunday? <laughs> now godliness with contentment is great gain. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. My five-year-old grandson is going to humiliate you on Sunday. This is what Andreas Kostenberger said. He said, at my conversion, when I was gripped by a realization of the utter excellence of God, I was impressed by the fact that because God is excellent in every way, everything I do for him ought to be characterized by excellence. This, to me, is what it means to bring glory to God, to do everything I do for, for, his ex, with, uh, for him with excellence. The body of Christ and Christendom has been adversely affected by the misunderstanding of happiness. We think it's honor, wealth, and pleasure. I want to worship. 
Oh, it feels so good. Did you read your Bible? No, but man, I just feel God's presence. Good. Read your Bible. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the Word of God. It's hard to read. It's boring. Again, you're boring. Read your Bible. But it's so long, and there's 66 books. Read. Why? Because God has created you to honor him. And he's given you everything you need, and I want to read this to you. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. I'm almost finished, by the way. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Remember Psalm 1 was happy. Oh, how happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The New Testament states in first, or excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3, it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us, by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. There's the doing virtues and the thinking virtues. Doing is what comes easy. Thinking requires excellence. But as for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Okay, so you came to Christ. Good. You prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Good start. You realize you needed God. You realize sin separated you. You said, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Good start. So add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and forgotten that he has been cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A Christian approach to excellence which produces happiness must start with the excellence of God. On this theological foundation, we must understand our own call to excellence which entails the pursuit of virtues such as diligence, courage, passion, restraint, integrity, humility, interdependence, and love. You see, the highest virtue is happiness. And happiness is found in living to bring glory to God. Pleasure's good. Honor's good. Wealth is good. But the sole pursuit of those for their sake is not. You and I have been, been called to honor God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will be added to you. You will be a man or a woman of honor. Whatever you do will prosper. It's good and pleasant 
You'll know pleasure. And that is the profound nature of happiness and why our founders declared war against the greatest nation on the face of the earth so that all of the citizens of this nation would have the freedom to pursue true happiness.